The Highway of Tears is an infamous location where countless Aboriginal women and girls have mysteriously vanished or have been murdered along the Prince Rupert to Prince George corridor. The horrors of the highway have, in the past and present day, continued to haunt the British Columbian population. We have discussed heartbreaking cases from the highway before and will continue to do so in future episodes. The voices of these women need to be heard. Today we discuss not one but two disappearances linked to the Highway of Tears, two cousins who left their families heartbroken and without answers. Delphine Anne Camellia Nicol, a member of the Wet'suwet'en tribe, was born near Smithers, British Columbia, on February 16, 1975, and was the youngest of five children. Delphine was described by her loved ones as an adventurous child who adored animals, spending much of her time with her father on his farm. When Delphine was 11 years old, however, her father unexpectedly passed away and following his death, she moved to the nearby village of Telqua to live with her mother, Judy. In 1988, Judy became unwell after a botched surgery and fell into a coma which lasted a number of months. Her youngest daughter, Delphine, despite living four hours away from the hospital in Prince George, regularly visited her mother during this time. She cared a great deal for her mother, reportedly more so than her other siblings. According to Judy, Delphine told her that she would never leave her and that she would always be there to care for her. Judy said, quote, When Delphine was there, I seemed to get stronger. By 1990, Delphine, who was also known as Delphi, was 15 years old and living across the street from her family home with her uncle, Frank Tompkins, her mother still being unwell at this time. On June 13th, at approximately 2pm, Delphine told her uncle Frank that she was going into town to meet up with some of her friends, a girl named Crystal Grenke and two others. The foursome spent the afternoon wandering around the town before night began to fall, and they headed towards the Mohawk gas station, located on the corner of the main street and Highway 16. Delphine offered for her friends to stay over at her house that night, as her mother was away, but her friends allegedly found this quite odd, as the teen had never offered for them to stay overnight before this. The three friends subsequently declined Delphine's offer, citing school and work early the following day. 
After her friends departed from the gas station at around 10pm, Delphine called her uncle and told him that she was hitchhiking 15 kilometres east on Highway 16 from Smithers to Telqua, but she never made it home. The Nicol family grew increasingly concerned for Delphine when she failed to return home in the following hours. As a result, one of her sisters, Lucy, reported the 15-year-old as a missing person early the following morning. However, the family were met with the suggestion that Delphine had probably run off and that she would return soon. The police did not initially believe that foul play was involved in this case. In the past, Delphine had caused minor nuisances in the locality and had previously been charged with theft and mischief. According to one source, she had also spent time in various youth facilities in British Columbia. The RCMP were left somewhat unconcerned by a mischievous teen not returning home. Delphine's family and friends, on the other hand, knew something wasn't quite right, so took matters into their own hands to look for her. Delphine's mother firmly believed that her daughter wouldn't have run away, with her friends also believing this to be the case. Why would Delphine have invited her friends to her home if she planned on running away? And if she had, why did she leave all of her personal belongings behind? The running away theory simply didn't make sense to those who knew her the best. Whilst conducting various inquiries, investigators questioned Delphine's uncle Frank. However, he was not deemed to be a suspect as evidence suggested Delphine did leave his home, but she failed to return. Frank passed away a short time afterwards. Canpro Investigation Services and the Missing Children's Society of Canada offered a $10,000 reward for any information leading to Delphine's whereabouts, following which a number of interesting tips and leads were called into authorities. One of the Mohawk gas station employees claimed to have seen Delphine getting into a red sports car on the night she disappeared, but unfortunately the car nor the driver have ever been found. Other witness statements suggested that Delphine may have attended a party located in rural Smithers later that same night, but unfortunately there was no evidence to indicate that this was the case. Every tip and lead was looked into, but unfortunately no trace of Delphine Nicol could be found. The latest development in the case was in March of 2019, when another witness came forward to the RCMP. Their claims corroborated with the gas station attendant's statement, and therefore it was deemed most likely that Delphine had gotten into a stranger's vehicle before they drove away. 
When she disappeared in 1990, Delphine Nicol was 15 years of age. She is described as being of native origins, having a medium build and a light complexion, standing at 5 feet 3 inches tall and weighing between 110 and 134 pounds. She had long, wavy brown hair and either brown or hazel eyes. Her teeth were also in good condition. Delphine also has a scar on her right temple, a purple birthmark on either her back or neck, sources conflict on this, and a fractured right index finger. When she was last seen, Delphine was wearing a Levi's blue bleached denim jacket with white pockets sewn on the inside, a white cotton Ginny sweater, hot pink denim knee-length trousers, a pair of white LA gear running shoes and a black leather western pouch-style shoulder bag with fringes. Inside her bag was some hairspray, a hairbrush, some photographs, makeup and an address book. If alive today, Delphine Nicol would be 46 years old. In an article published in the Interior News in August of 1994, Delphine's mother, Judy Nicol, described her anguish and pain. Quote, every day is not the same. I'm grieving still. It's not really easy. Every day is hard. She didn't sleep for two weeks following her daughter's disappearance. Judy never gave up hope of finding her daughter alive. She did all she could to search for Delphine even going to psychics and following up on any potential sightings of her daughter in the likes of Gran Isle, Vanderhoof and even Vancouver, but unfortunately to no avail. According to the psychics she visited, they claimed that Delphine had been kidnapped and that she was somewhere near a river. Of course, such claims always need to be taken with a pinch of salt. Delphine's remaining siblings have also been left wondering what happened to her. In an article published on The Hue and Cry, her sister Mary spoke regarding the lack of support from the local RCMP. She said, quote, There was no, literally no support. The cops never really showed a whole lot of interest. They obviously didn't really care. Judy hopes and prays that her daughter is still out there, alive somewhere, but as of March 2021, Delphine has never been heard from again, nor her remains ever found. Interestingly, a number of detectives believe Delphine's disappearance to be linked with the disappearance of 16-year-old Ramona Wilson, who disappeared from Smithers in June of 1994, with her remains being discovered the following April in a wooded area near to where she was last seen. We have covered Ramona's case previously on this podcast, episode 5. 
Is it possible that both teens ran into the same perpetrator? Did they encounter the infamous, murderous phantom of Highway 16? Some believe Delphine to possibly be victim of American serial killer Bobby Jack Fowler, who frequently targeted female hitchhikers until his reign of terror ended in 1995. His DNA was found on the body of 16-year-old Colleen McMillan, another of the highway's victims, in 2012. He is suspected to be responsible for possibly two other disappearances of 19-year-olds Gail Ways and Pamela Darlington, both of whom vanished in 1973. But unfortunately, there is no conclusive evidence to prove that Fowler was involved and he passed away in Oregon State Penitentiary in May of 2006, taking whatever secrets he had to the grave. Delphine Nicholl and Ramona Wilson, who were both actually born in the same hospital, are just two of the 18 victims of the Project Epana list. Project Epana is a Royal Canadian Mounted Police Task Force created in 2005 for the purpose of solving missing and murdered cases along the infamous Highway of Tears. Highway 16, from Prince Rupert to Prince George, British Columbia. Their aim is also to determine whether a serial killer is operating along that same corridor. The ePANA list contains 13 murder investigations and 5 disappearances, dating from 1969 to 2006. 13 of the 18 victims, including Delphine and Ramona, were teenagers, and 10 were of Aboriginal origins. The criteria to be listed on the ePANA list is that the victims are first and foremost female. The victim engaged in high-risk behaviour of some kind, such as hitchhiking or sex work. The victim went missing or their body was found near or along Highway 16 and the evidence presented indicated a stranger attacked, with the suspect being unidentifiable and unknown to the victims. We aim to eventually cover all the ePANA cases on this podcast. For the Nickel family, however, their heartbreak didn't stop there. Delphine wasn't the only member of that same family to mysteriously disappear. The year prior, on October 1st, 1989, Delphine's cousin, Cecilia Ann Nicholl, disappeared from Vancouver, British Columbia, when she was around 15 years old. Cecilia had only recently moved to Vancouver at this time, arriving to visit her mother on August 1st, but for unknown reasons, she then left home and ended up living on the city streets. The last time her mother saw her daughter was on October 1st, 1989, and Cecilia never made contact with her loved ones again. 
According to another family member, Cecilia possibly moved to Vancouver Island. However, this claim seems to be unfounded. The last reported sighting of Cecilia was in Smithers, near to Highway 16. Foul play is now deemed most likely in both Delphine and Cecilia's disappearances, though it is unclear whether both cases are linked. According to the RCMP, Cecilia's case is not listed in Project Epana due to the fact that she was reported missing from Vancouver. Other than this, very little information is known about Cecilia and her disappearance. She is, like her cousin Delphine, a confirmed victim of the highway, but whether the cousins met foul play remains a mystery. Cecilia Nichols' age has been questioned due to inconsistencies in various databases. Therefore, she is believed to have been between the ages of 15 and 18 years old when she vanished. She was described as being of native origins, standing at 5 feet 4 inches tall and weighing around 128 pounds. She had black hair and brown eyes, though what she was wearing when she disappeared is unknown, as are any distinguishing marks or features she may have had. Also, just to note, Cecilia's name has been spelt two different ways, depending on which databases you look at. The two spellings are C-E-C-I-L-I-A or C-I-C-I-L-I-A. If alive today, Cecilia Nicol would be aged between 47 and 50 years old. The cases of both cousins quickly went cold, with no further significant developments having been made in the subsequent years. Losing a family member is incredibly difficult, but losing two must be unimaginable. What happened to Delphine and Cecilia? Will their abductors or killers ever be found and brought to justice? If you have any information regarding Delphine's case which could be useful to authorities, you can contact the RCMP on 250-847-3233. If you have any information regarding Cecilia's disappearance, you can contact the Vancouver Police Department on 604-717-2530. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Stolen Sisters podcast. Keep safe and we will see you again very soon.